Today's episode is brought to you by Tracy Denise Fitness. Quick question, where are you on your 2020 intentions? If you listen to my episode on taking a break to set intentions, you know that it's okay if you've had a little setback because you can always continue to start over. However, if you are having issues with your intention setting, it could be your mindset. And Tracy Brown of Tracy Denise Fitness can help. Her services as a certified personal trainer, mindset coach, and nutrition coach are built to keep you on track and in line with your intentions. Check out TracyDeniseFitness.com. That is T-R-A-C-E-Y-D-E-N-I-S-E Fitness.com. And let her know that How to Take a Break, the podcast, sent you. Now, let's get the show started. Hey, everybody. Just want to do a quick editor's note. This will be a two-parter as far as this episode of the podcast goes. Um, My intention is usually to keep the podcast at a maximum of about 30 minutes. We went really long in this interview, but trust me, it is a good one. So part one is really just going to talk about the journey that Erica took to entrepreneurship. And part two, we're going to get into some nitty gritty about mental health. Please grab a friend, come back for both parts, but definitely check out part two because we even got a little homework coming at you on part two. But we're going to get started. Thank you so much for rocking with us. And here we go. Hello and welcome to this great new episode of How to Take a Break, the podcast. I am your host, P.M. Kester, and today's episode is How to Take a Break as an Entrepreneur, and I am joined here today with Erica Parks, and I'm going to read a little bit of her bio before we get into it. Erica N. Parks is the organizer, organizer, excuse me, and of Camouflage Me Not which provides a holistic and community approach to enhance the transition process for women and minority veterans. She is a Georgia native, an army veteran, and public health practitioner with 10 plus years experience in behavioral health and seven plus years of civic involvement. She is also the course creator of Reboot Your Profession. Erica, Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. That sounds like another woman. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> you are not the first person to say something like that. And it is. Isn't it funny how when people read your bio, like you, you stop and you pause and you be like, man, mm-hmm. like what are they about me? to say? <laughs> and it's like, it's you. It's like you have to like, sometimes it takes you to have somebody else kind of reading your receipts for you to recognize like, right. I have been on this journey. I have done some things. A long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I am so happy to have Erica here. And we're just going to jump into it because we have some great questions. If you have followed her on Instagram, especially on Facebook with her Facebook Lives, you know that she brings a lot of wealth and knowledge to the table in regards to veterans advocacy and also surviving in an ever-changing job market. 
Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're just going to start things off with, Erica, if you would just share with the listeners your journey to entrepreneurship and a brief synopsis of Camouflage Me Not and maybe even a little bit about Reboot Your Profession because uh, when I first invited you on, it was all about CME and I was like, well, you know, she actually has two tools out here. Yes. <laughs> so we can get her to like talk about everything because it all goes into that entrepreneurial spirit in this landscape. It so does. Give us a little background. Wow. Um, even for me, when I read that question, that was one of the questions I wanted to really ponder over. It's been a long time. When I say a long time, um, the entrepreneurship road for me started in 2005. I didn't realize it went back that far. And one of my mentees brought it to my attention at Cocktails and Conversation last fall about, you've been on this a long time, Camouflage Me Not is not your first rodeo. And that is true. So in 2005, I was an undergraduate student pursuing my bachelor's in human services. And I was a student at Kennesaw State University. And I had this burning passion for HIV prevention. Let me back up. I wasn't a student yet. So that's a very pivotal time. Mm -hmm. I had just left Mercer University. I was a nursing student. Okay. And I was on academic dismissal from the program. I had failed three of my courses and I was towards the end of my, my BS in nursing. And so when that happened, um, I was really searching. I wanted to be a nurse. That's all I ever knew. I always saw myself as a nurse. I always saw myself with this briefcase, this white lab jacket on and some slacks. And I kept saying, but that's not a nurse. They wear scrubs. At that time, I was working in behavioral health. That's where okay. I met you. That's correct. <laughs> and um, so that was a pivotal point because I was fighting to get back in a nursing school. Had a very bad thing that happened. Um, with my financial aid, received a scholarship from the government and some kind of way the school say I received too much funding. And so they had me paying money back. At that time, I was only working per required need in the hospital. So basically 32 hours a month, it's all you had to work. And that's all I need to do to focus on my studies. But when they hit me with owing over two grand to the school, because supposedly I got too much money on a needs-based scholarship, and I'm sharing this because it's an important story of how it relates to me today. I had to work my butt off. So I had to pick up more than 32 hours right. to pay that money back. And it took that took time away from my studies. So I failed PEDS and I failed pediatrics. For those of you say, what is PEDS? For those of y'all that may say, what is PEDS? I failed OB, um, GYN, maternal health nursing. And that put me automatically on academic dismissal. Failed them with two C's. A C is a failure in nursing, in nursing program. And so during that time, I was trying to get back in school. Fast forward, that didn't work out well. I had to switch my major and change schools. Thank God I was in a private school because then I was able to, in 07, move to Kennesaw State University. So at that time, I wanted to keep up things that I was doing and the things that I learned. I always had this burning passion for HIV prevention and treatment. And so I began developing an awareness program in the community, educating those in the community about HIV and how that started. I was at work in behavioral health and world AIDS day was coming up. Right. And I still wanted to be engaged in the clinical side as well as the behavioral health side. And so I went to my current um, nursing director and told her what I wanted to do. I wrote up a little proposal, <laughs> had no idea what I was doing of why we needed this for our patients. And everybody kept saying, what does this have to do with mental health? Everything. 
And so she told me, yes, you could do that. You know, you could, you could do that and you can form a team. And so as I was forming this, one of my coworkers said to me, Keith, I will never forget. He said, Erica, you put too much work in this. I just hope this is not just for Peachford and that you would take do this, you know, some more. So that led me to the libraries, the hair salons, and I'm going in places, had no idea that need this actual education. So I was saying 2005 is where the programming and development started. Going to Kennesaw, I was able to seal that program development and learn more and enhance those skills through the program that I went through and getting my national certification in nonprofit leadership and management and end up interning at 8 Atlanta for two years. So as a um, housing intern in the beginning and then meeting the institutional philanthropy manager and asking him could I be his intern while I was the housing intern the following year and he said sure and so those things happen and so then learning how to be a professional beggar <laughs> because when you're not proper world you're a professional beggar and so going into some of the nice homes in midtown Buckhead area here in Atlanta and watching people make the ass collect thousands of dollars in one night from those in their circle without a blink and going to different functions on behalf of that agency and then pushing me out there and entrusting me to do that. So you see the leadership skills developing, the confidence, the knowledge and the skill set is there. And so just adding things to that. So after that, you know, I go to Georgia and University of Georgia, I get my master's in public health. So I graduated from Kennesaw State in December 08. I enter University of Georgia program in uh, fall 2009. And I graduated from there in 2011. But during that time, you know, at at, um, UGA, I'm still doing things around HIV prevention. When I graduated from UGA, that's when I experienced chronic unemployment. And I always say this slowly. I was unemployed for 38 months. That was baffling for me. I'm a vetpreneur. At that time, I was a minority, army vet, lots of experience, have worked all my way through school, and I'm unemployed. And you had started other endeavors. You had right. started your work, um, your AIDS work, so you had like nonprofit leadership experience. Yes, so on top of all that, I gotta go back to 07. 07, I met Felicia Taylor from Primerica Financial Services. And that was a pivotal point for me because it's something I've always wanted to learn. I've always wanted to create generational wealth, always wanted to be wealthy. And I used to be ashamed to tell people that, but now I'm not. I've always <laughs> wanted to, to do that for my family. I wanted my last name to be great, greater. And so when I met Felicia in 07 as a student at Kennesaw State University, I became a Primerica agent. So I was going to school full-time, internship full-time, and working, learning a new business outside of my knowledge base, financial services, and studying to get an insurance license. Well, thank God, I had to come back there. Thank God that came to me because during that time I was unemployed, that's how I ate. I took the insurance exam. I passed it. I became a life accident and sickness agent and worked for Primerica, teaching their their model and selling their products. And so I was able to go in homes and help families, but at the same time, those relationships I developed 
prior to when I was doing the HIV stuff, I was able to go into those same libraries and now offer financial literacy mm -hmm. in communities where we needed the most. So I was able to draw clients from that activity, get referrals, you know, and, and, and kept me going, build new relationships, which led, to, which led to other doors opening. And so that during that time, I still had this brand desire to do more. And I didn't want the public health side to go away. So it's the same thing when I was out of nursing school. That's what started me doing the HIV stuff because I wanted the clinical side. Right. So now I'm, I'm heavy in insurance and the financial services. And I'm like, but I can't lose the public health side. So my public health side, for those of y'all that may not know, there's so many different facets to public health. And so my concentration is health policy and management. So you see the building up on that leadership mm -hmm. and management skills. So I end up riding down the road. I never forget. Whitney Houston had just passed. Don Cornelius had just passed. Mm. They both passed. Suicide. Right. right. I remember calling one of our colleagues, Shakira Woods, and telling her, hey, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about people taking their lives and we only, you know, draw interest around it and really focus on it when somebody takes their life, a celebrity, and then we go back to life as normal. And I said, I have this idea. Let's get together and do something. So we agreed to meet up. We focus on youth. So we actually started a consulting company. So you go from HIV in the community, going through school, the financial service business, by the way, is still going on right. <laughs> at that time, and then starting Youth Synergy. And we started out creating a program again together to deliver through summer camp. Wrote up a proposal. I wrote the proposal for our company, right? At that moment, it wasn't a company. We, here we are again, doing the same thing I did when I was at Peachford, developing something for the community, not knowing that this could actually be a company. And so we worked with Smoke Rise Baptist Church on Hugh Hollowell Road, and we provided that over their 10-week program. Our partners we had in behavioral health, Shakira had, I had, we brought together, and we had a whole shebang for the parents, an orientation. We provided a curriculum. We were there every Monday for like two hours providing this program, evaluating our process, and at the end, we said, you know what? We're going to do this evaluation report, and we're going to send this back, but we think we got a company. And that's how we formed Youth Synergy. So Youth Synergy went from 2012, I would say, until 2014. So fast forwarding Youth Synergy, you know, moving forward with that, our goals, start, our goals change, and so Shakira got ready to go to get her PhD, so she left the company and wanted to do a consultant basis. I wanted to continue to pursue it, and so Kennesaw comes back up again. I get this email about a um, Georgia Advances Veteran Education, GAVE program, the mm -hmm. inaugural program, and helping vets that may have a company, may be thinking about a company, and I got accepted. That was the perfect timing. It allowed me the time to flush out Youth Synergy, to tighten it up some, to pitch before angel investors and venture capitals, to hear other people's perspective of what I was doing, and to realize we really had a gold mine. We really had thoroughly done our research. We knew the market. We had a business plan already, and so we had presentation slides. And so going through all of that, I ended up winning the Social Enterprise Award. Okay. 
They didn't get any money, moved forward and pitched again through the edge connection in Kennesaw, came in third, third place, didn't get any money, and monies were very, very tight because everything I have, I'm putting into this. And remember, mm-hmm. I'm still unemployed. Right. And when you're building a company, it takes more out of you. It pulls more energy out of you. So whatever you are doing, it's going to pull you away from that. And if that's how you make your money and you're not an employee, guess what? You're going to lose a lot of money. Right. But you're looking at, I'm going to absorb this risk because I see the end result. Mm. So that's really where this all started. Moving current to today, camouflage may not happen. <laughs> this all just runs together. So 2014, I put a pen in youth synergy. I finally go back in the job market. I'm working for Emory on a research project with the Fulton County Jail. Then I ended up leaving Atlanta. I came across a wonderful opportunity in public health to lead a pilot process for the Army. And so I ended up leaving here and moving to Columbus, South Carolina to work at Fort Jackson as a consultant for the base general. And so providing recommendations on for the total force, the and I have to explain that because some people say, what that what is that? So that is the these soldiers, their family members, the Department of Army civilians and retirees, and I'm providing recommendations around our programming and policies as it relates to public health. Keyword. Your yeah. whole being. Yeah. Mental, physical, financial, all of that. Environmental, right. all those things. So that contract was supposed to go on for five years based on performance. Performance is great. They got a lot of awards. I got awards for my performance. But we were doing so well, we speeded up the clock mm-hmm. that they had scaled for this project to end. So they wanted to convert the positions. Right. Well, I was at a base that couldn't afford to create a position and bring someone in as a full-time Department of the Army civilian. So what they did is they dual-had it, so meaning... They tapped somebody on the shoulder and said, not only are you going to do what you're doing, but you're going to do what Erica been doing. And everybody's like, what? Even me? Because sometimes people don't realize what it takes to produce the outcomes you have. They look at your work and they think, oh, I can do that. You have no idea. You send the final result. You don't know how many meetings I sit in, how late up night I've been up, what kind of analysis I've done to come to this presentation that you think just happened overnight. (laughs) So I'm at a crossroad. I'm headed in my mind for DC, because remember I said my focus is health policy and management. I want to perform the greater impact in public health and be at that policy table. So I am throwing bricks at DC and having informational interviews and things didn't work out the way I wanted. Right. Monies were spending fast. Savings was going fast. I'm out of contract. I'm still living in South Carolina. It's like two months later. So I gotta come back to Atlanta. Did not want to come back to Atlanta because all I could think about was the brutal time I experienced Mm -hmm. before these opportunities opened. By the way, my home city, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to come back. So I'm thinking I'm coming back for a few weeks. I only put things in my car to last me a few weeks. Put everything in storage in South Carolina. (laughs) That was funny. It's been a long two weeks, right? Right. (laughs) Came here November 2017. Here we are January 2020. And so immediately when I came back, I did what I did then. And so during that time when I was unemployed, I met a lot of people. Remember I said that. But the people I met were just not just business folks. I met a lot of political folks. 
Because if you recall me saying being unemployed for 38 months, a lot happens in that time frame. And I'm living off commissions. So every crisis you can imagine I experience. My home been in foreclosure, me barely having enough income. And so I was beating on doors of our congressional leaders here asking for help. And that's when I realized there wasn't much here for veterans. Organizations that say they help veterans did not know what to do with Erica Parks when she showed up. I didn't need someone to show me how to dress. I didn't need someone to show me how to interview. I could take their job. Mm -hmm. I was a serious threat. And so this is why I started doing my own thing because I knew if I waited for them to help me, hell, I would have been homeless. Mm. I would have been hungry. I might have been another vet on the bridge. And I was determined those things weren't going to happen to me. So coming back here, bring you back to November 2017, I said I, I got back involved in the things that I was doing. I've always been a community person. So at that time, we were up for our mayoral campaign. And our current mayor was running for office. So the first thing I went to when I came back was the, the gathering spot. And they had a mayoral debate with, um, at that time, Mayor Bottoms was a candidate and Mary Norwood. And so they were having an educational uh, debate. And I went there and I listened to that. And I ended up getting involved in her campaign. So at that you same time, Mayor Bottoms. Mayor Bottoms campaign. Yeah. Yes, not, not Mary Norwood. Thank you, you for correcting clear. me. Yeah. You clarify. <laughs> so I got involved in that. And so we're still in November, December timeframe, 2017. Again, here goes this burning desire. Okay, what are you going to do with this public health policy stuff? It never shuts off. It always reminds me, no matter what you're doing, this right here, you better not forget. And so as that is happening, I started driving for Uber. Way to make some money. I'm always looking at another entrepreneur opportunity. How can I bring some money? And I still have my insurance license active. So I'm looking at how can I re-engage, let clients know I'm back and still make money. So as I'm driving for Uber, I'm having visions. Remember the vision I had going down 285 for Youth Synergy? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about something I can do for veterans in the transition. And after leaving Fort Jackson and learning even more, you know, why I experienced what I experienced through the holes in our transition programs, I knew then that I was even more equipped to do what I'm doing now. So I met one of my Uber drive, Uber riders, Diamond Harris. Never forget her, a millennial. And so I was telling her about the idea I had. Ended up calling her up. We met at Amelia's coffee shop, and she helped me name Camouflage Me Not. And so this is all happening December 2017, February 2018, February 18th to be exact. Camouflage Me Not was born. And so Camouflage Me Not means don't hide me, don't throw me away. And so building Camouflage Me Not, launching it the next month. So February 18th, it was founded of 2018. Mm -hmm. March 27, 2018, I launched it at the Southwoods and Library. There goes the library again. Those connections. Going back to those same relationships. New vision, right? Right. But still in the community helping people. And so I say these things intentionally because the other thing you asked me about, and I don't want to forget what I'm thinking about, is Reboot Your Profession. Right. So what I'm doing in Reboot Your Profession is teaching people how to do just that. Rebooting Your Profession is all about switching from a profession that you want to know and going into a different direction. But you're still using the same skills or soft skills, or maybe you don't have them. 
and you have a desire to go somewhere else, but you don't know even how to develop as that right. person to perform in that role. And so that is what I do. I walk people through what I call my net weaving process uh -huh. in building and nurturing relationships over time to help them to live out their dreams. So in my course, I look for three types of people. And so you have your unfulfilled professional. That's someone they hate Mondays right now. They are, they are angry. Mm -hmm. They're not just angry because Kobe just passed. Right. It's Sunday night. Tomorrow I got to go back to hell. I hate my boss. I hate my job. I'm doing time. Correct. More heart attacks happen on this night because people are doing time at work. And so it's helping that person get from being stuck and making that exit plan and doing what they need to do to fill their goals and dreams. Even if they don't know if they are yet. Right. Maybe just need, just need a, uh, a job move for the moment until right. they figure it out. Then you have that dream chaser. Oh, they know, baby. They know. They know what they want to do. But they need help in doing it. So they have all this energy, which is great. I love them because they're so full of energy. So helping them with their action plans and, and working this net weaving system it's like a golden opportunity for them. They're not afraid. And right. to get them while they're excited is great because fear is usually what keeps people back. Right. The last person is your innovative thinker. So they may already be an entrepreneur, but they're having struggles with getting those relationships so that I can get that contract, so I can buy back time with my family. Those are the three types of people. So when you talk about those three types of people, it's like so many faces come in your mind because like, Almost everybody following one of three. That is true. And needing that help to have a system. And so as you've listened to me talk about just this first question she's asked me, I hope you took notes that the one thing that has helped me is the systems. I've all constantly talked about a plan, following my guts. I've constantly talked about relationships, nurturing them, being able to go back and let them know what I'm doing over time. So that has what led to... The birthing of Camouflage Me Not and the birthing of Reboot Your Profession. And so Reboot Your Profession, there will be an in-person course in March at the gathering spot where I'm a foundation member. And it will be a two-day, uh, all-day workshop for folks there to help you really, really get going. Well, thank you so much for that. It's a very detailed response to a journey, but I think it's a journey that many people will resonate with because a lot of times I think that we get caught up in what we see mm -hmm. on social media, what people mm -hmm. allow us to see. And it looks <laughs> like these people are just kind of plopped down into certain positions. Whereas you have real stories like Erica mm -hmm. and like a lot of people that you, you see, but they're just showing you the flash and a dash where, you know, she started all in the way back. She originally wanted to be a nurse. She was in nursing school. <laughs> Managed to graduate. <laughs> and her path took her from nursing school to doing like um, AIDS work, pretty much having an AIDS nonprofit, then doing <laughs> youth synergy. Then it took her to a military base, all while she's utilizing these skills, but also constantly reinventing herself mm -hmm. by rebooting her profession to get to what you see now which I think really encompasses an entrepreneurial spirit because when I think of someone who is an entrepreneur, I think of someone who is not afraid to take risks and someone who's all always constantly 
about change, about reinvention. All right, so this ends part one of this episode of the podcast. Tune in next Wednesday, and we're going to wrap things up with part two. And like I said, tell your friends, tell your families, really tune in for part two because she really digs deep on mental health, how to really take a break as an entrepreneur, and I don't want you guys to miss it. So until next time, find a little time to take a break. Bye.